the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. Welcome to episode 102 of Magic Markets. Feels really good to be able to start that with 100 and. It's going to be like that for a while, obviously, but uh, welcome and especially to those who have been with us since the beginning. It's so great to still have you with us on Magic Markets. Today it is just my co-host, co-founder, friend, all of the above, Mohammed Nalla and I, the finance ghost with you today. We do not have a guest on the show and we're going to take the opportunity to talk about big tech, Mo, which is uh, pretty much ties in with what we've been doing in Magic Markets Premium lately and what everyone has been reading about in the headlines. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure doing this and also a pleasure from time to time to just have you and I on the show. Not that we don't like our guests, we absolutely love our guests, but this is a nice opportunity for us to unpack some of our thinking, you know, to synthesize a lot of the work that we're doing, maybe at a high level, because we don't want to take away from what our subscribers pay us for in Magic Markets Premium, but to touch on some of the key themes, as you've indicated in big tech, and, and why now? You know, I think at the onset, Ghost, we were very hesitant around even just covering the big tech stocks. We didn't want to be seen as, you know, just another one of those sub stacks out there, you know, another internet person going and doing some analysis on a stock. So we shied away from it. And eventually over time, you know, we just felt that there was a need to cover a lot of these stocks because our subscribers were asking us for this. Our subscribers were hungry for our insights on big tech, on a lot of these big names. And interestingly enough, we're doing it at a time when big tech has actually come under tremendous pressure. I mean, if you have a look pretty much across the board, maybe with the exception of Apple, which we are covering this week in Magic Markets Premium, maybe with the exception of Apple, you've actually seen massive destruction of value in the big tech sector. So we wanted to scratch beneath the surface and say, what's driving some of that? Is this based on fundamentals? Is it just market nervousness? Is it macro stuff driving it? Let's get into the weeds. Let's get into the nitty gritty and let's pull out, and this is what we're gonna do on this show, some of the key themes that we've actually seen across most of the names in the sector. So let's jump in, let's have some fun. So let's use the acronym that everyone knows, which actually doesn't work anymore, which is FAN, F-A-A-N-G. And the reason it doesn't work anymore is because Facebook is now called Meta and because Google has been renamed to Alphabet. So it's a very odd acronym now. And, you know, the other thing with that acronym is it excludes a business like Microsoft. So I think it was actually none other than good old uh, Jim Cramer himself who came up with FAN all those years ago. Perhaps he was a bit better then at, at calling market movements. He's very good at calling them these days, just completely in reverse to what he expects is going to happen. It's a very standing joke on Twitter for those who are active on FinTwit. And if you aren't, I would encourage you to be because you'll learn so much on there. So we've now covered, by the time we've done uh, Apple this week, we will have covered every single one of the fan stocks in Magic Markets Premium at some point in time. Plus we've done Microsoft. A lot of people try to include Tesla in that. We did do Tesla as well, although I still... I'm not so sure it's a tech stock quite like all the others. So where should we start, Mo? Because I think there's lessons to learn from each and every 
single one. You know, what, what has been one or two of the, the key insights for you from doing the work across all of these companies? Yeah, Ghost. In fact, I'm, I'm going to jump in first of all with a new acronym, right? Because we've had those those changes in Meta and Alphabet. It's actually now the sound or the, the phrase you say when you look at your stock portfolio, if you've been holding all of this. And it's, man, you know, it's like M with lots of A's and an N on the end. It's, man. But, you know, I don't even jump into an individual stock right now. I want to touch on the macro. I want to go at it from that side first, because that's what I do. And I mean, let's first of all answer a question for the listeners, which is, what exactly is big tech? You know, we say big tech. What is the business that a lot of these companies are involved in? And I think, you know, maybe almost across the board, but not entirely across the board. The first thing that stuck out for me is that this is a battle for eyeballs. It's, it's a phrase I've used a lot on the premium shows. And we say it's a battle for, for eyeballs, right? And we say that when we look at a stock like Netflix, because that's obvious. You know, you're watching its content. But it's the same thing when you're on Google, which sits in Alphabet. It's the same thing when you're in Meta's ecosystem on Facebook or Instagram, is that all of these companies are out there to try and grab your attention. Now, what's the business behind it? Why are they grabbing your attention? Well, it's advertising. You know, I, I, I was actually listening to this very interesting Bloomberg podcast where they were discussing big tech as well. And the interesting thing here is that it may have started out as a social media, you know, networking with your friends and family across the globe. And eventually the commercialization of the internet, of social media has meant that it's now the internet of adverts. And that for me was really what resonated across that entire man or fang ecosystem, right? Is that they're competing for eyeballs. Why are they doing it is they want to sell adverts to the companies that actually sell you stuff that you're using in your everyday life. So when we talk big tech, realize that we're actually just talking about a massive advertising ecosystem. I wouldn't say entirely, but very much primarily. And that's something that stood out for me. What do you think about that, Ghost? Yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, it's it's the attention economy. So at the end of the day, we're all super busy. We're all trying to be productive. We all live these very digital lives. We're all engaging with content and news sources online. And if you think about it, your whole life is built around digital content delivery. Even when you open the start button in Microsoft, you'll sometimes get hit with an ad. And that you know, brings me to something that I've learned, which was pretty surprising, but also kind of cool, is that Microsoft has this really strong advertising sales team. I mean, that was the, the wonderful thing about doing the Netflix show, right? Is we realized, okay, Microsoft is actually selling the ads for Netflix's advertising supported tier, which kind of came out of nowhere, let's be honest. I mean, if you, you know, if you walk past 10 people and you say, well, what does Microsoft do? I don't think anyone's going to say, oh, they sell online ads, right? So it's the versatility of these platforms as they fight for eyeballs in all these different ways. And some of them do it on a B2C basis, some of them on a B2B basis, some of them when you're in your browser. So that's obviously a core Google strength, but also its biggest vulnerability is the focus on browsers. And I'll tell you another stat that I found just intensely interesting was the fact that Amazon's advertising business is now bigger than YouTube's advertising business. Yeah, Ghost, I mean, that was such a fun little revelation, right? Is that when you're scratching beneath this, you actually realize that some of these companies have evolved. And I mean, when we talked about Amazon specifically, right, we know there's the big e-commerce play. And again, sometimes it's not the obvious business. So yes, they nest this very cool advertising business within there. But again, when you think Amazon, your first primary thought is it's an e-commerce platform. I go on to Amazon, I buy products. But in fact, that's not the part of the business that was making money. And this actually leads me to my next big revelation, not revelation, but really a key and interesting theme, right, is that Amazon made, and we know this, Amazon makes the money of Amazon Web Services, which is their cloud business. Now, there's a key theme for you in that 
the really big players here don't necessarily just focus on a particular part of the ecosystem. Yes, we know this is an advertising business at its heart in terms of the entire ecosystem and the battle for eyeballs, my initial point. But there's another whole point here in terms of the network, the infrastructure, the entire framework on which all of this hangs. So if, for example, you were looking at a body, you're talking about the skeleton here. And that's where the likes of a cloud business comes in. Now, if you looked at players like Amazon, we've discussed Amazon Web Services. That's the business that makes money, that pays for the rest of Amazon, including the e-commerce platform. And the other interesting thing here is in this ecosystem, Amazon's biggest competitor in this space is actually Microsoft with its Azure product. Now, again, Microsoft might be a business that listeners are familiar with in terms of it's always been it's kind of the old big tech, if you want to call it that. They've always been in the back end with regards to the infrastructure on which a lot of this hangs. But then Google's coming through very strongly. And in fact, Google's losing money, but trying to buy market share in the cloud business. So what I want to highlight here is that a theme we always like to pick up on in Magic Markets Premium is which companies are selling the shovels in the gold rush. You know, you don't want to buy the gold, you want to buy the shovel. There is actually a big undercurrent, a big theme, even amongst big tech, in terms of where do they play in the value chain and which companies are getting smarter around monetizing other parts of the value chain that might not be front of mind. So for example, like I said, Amazon, cloud makes the money, pays for the e-commerce platform. In Microsoft, Azure's very profitable, very large. And so just keep an eye on that. Ghost, that for me was something very interesting is that sometimes it's not the obvious business that the business seems to be in. There's this second tier that's actually maybe a lot more mission critical to the internet, to e-commerce as a whole. And that might actually give some resilience to certain names in the sector over others. Absolutely. And the other thing that's interesting with these companies is how many of them have these incredible loss-making divisions that are essentially funded by you know a juicy part of the business. So you've already used the Amazon example. It's a very good one. Another example, obviously, is Meta. So family of apps at the moment, which is Facebook, WhatsApp, Insta, is currently busy funding you know, Mark Zuckerberg's foray into building the metaverse. And the costs have really been racking up like mad. Another business that's not traditionally a tech company but is going that way very quickly is actually Disney. You know, and they've also absolutely butchered their share price by going so hard into investing in streaming. You know, and it's come back to Amazon with Amazon Prime. I think it's just over 200 million Amazon Prime members. So it's quite extraordinary because inside Amazon is hiding a subscriber base that is almost the size of Netflix. And it just doesn't really ever get any credit. So some of these tech companies are just much, much bigger than others. But what we're starting to see is after this latest quarter of results, we're starting to see these tech executives like dialing back the costs now. So the headlines now are all about headcount reductions and you know people being fired or restructured, unfortunately. And it's never nice when it happens, obviously, although the one thing about the US job market is it's quite liquid. Unfortunately, a lot of these people are actually international employees. You know, I saw on Twitter some stuff around, you know, people in Ireland who have been fired. You know, it's not so easy necessarily in those sort of economies to just pick up and find something else. But the point is that it had to happen because a lot of these companies have just been too bloated. I mean, Twitter is another business we actually covered. Um, and it's just the economics have been terrible forever, basically. You know, it's like a not-for-profit organization. So you've got to be really careful with some of these businesses not to fall into that trap. But from an investment perspective, it's also an opportunity when the execs start to recognize that because as soon as the market sees a change in thinking around costs and a maturity coming through, the share price actually benefits from that. So we've seen that with Meta. I think we've seen that to some extent with your favorite, Mo, which is Netflix. You know, they've now set an annual content spend and they're going to stick to it. And so that means 
every subscriber growth above that level actually starts to drop to the bottom line and you finally start to have operating leverage coming through the system. I think that's such a key point, right? I think early stages, growth phase, these businesses had to throw literally the kitchen sink, not like Elon Musk. They had to throw the kitchen sink at it, right? They had to generate this content. And I know we always kind of poke fun at my favorite, Netflix, because it's cost me a lot of money, kind of like how Meta's cost you a lot of money. But the interesting thing for me was that Netflix was literally building out an entire content library. I mean, they didn't have the benefit of the likes of a Disney. Again, we throw Disney in here. It's not part of Fang or Man, uh, but it's important because it does have some bearing in terms of this sector. Like you say, everyone's on this content treadmill. Now, the maturity that's, I guess, necessitated by current market conditions is certainly welcome because yes, I think these companies got very bloated. They are spending lots of money. Uh, hopefully, as they discipline themselves and then stick to the discipline, because them saying it versus them doing it are two different things, but sticking to the discipline may actually come through very quickly and directly to the bottom line. It may actually liberate free cash flows very quickly. So keep an eye out there in terms of maybe almost a little bit of a hockey stick effect. That can come through very strongly in some of these players. And I mean, you've mentioned the likes of how, you know, yes, we know Netflix is a streaming giant. And then you've got Amazon with Prime. But guess what? Google's been in that space as well. You know, Google's effectively one of the biggest platforms, except they don't spend on the content because it's user-generated content. And there is something else interesting that's coming to the mix here. It's a company we've mentioned a lot, but because it's unlisted, we can't cover it. And that's TikTok, which sits inside ByteDance, because that's probably the biggest disruptor to the eyeball economy right now. It's not listed. You don't get a pure play on it. And the economics are different, or at least similar to Google's, in that it's user-generated content. Goes another point I want to pick up on here, something that was key, again, it might seem obvious, it's a macro point, but it's also a potential hockey stick point, is that across the board, across all of these stocks, one of the biggest headwinds over the last several quarters has been FX. Now, let me unpack that for listeners who are not familiar with this, right? The FX headwinds is a lot of these companies are global companies. So these companies earn their revenues globally. They earn them in all kinds of markets, South Africa, China, emerging markets, you name it. They then take those revenues and because they're US-based corporations, they've got to actually convert that back into US dollars. And in that currency conversion, because the US dollar is as strong as it is, and it really has been tremendously strong over the course of the last year or so, that actually has a negative impact in terms of earnings. So when we say FX is a headwind, that's what we're speaking about. Now, that negative impact in terms of earnings has been material. It differs from company to company, obviously, but we're talking over the course of a year, several percentage points that get knocked off from the top line. This runs into hundreds of billions of dollars. It has a material bearing in terms of how profitable these companies are. And the reason I raise it is that that has been part of the bear thesis, for example, on a lot of these stocks, but nothing goes up or down in a straight line. And so if you start to see a reversal in terms of a trend of dollar strength, very much a macro indicator, something tied to macro indicators, if you see that reverse, if you see dollar weakness start to come through, that could come through very strongly as a hockey stick effect on a lot of stocks and in particular on the tech sector, simply because of the high beta nature, and that means high sensitivity that a lot of these stocks have had to that particular trigger. Here's the great irony, right, Mo? So you're the macro guy. So when the dollar is weakening, that's going to be because the US economy is finally starting to show signs of these rate hikes actually working, right? So it's because the US economy is potentially slowing down and potentially getting hurt. That is what would be hitting the dollar in this case. And in that scenario, 
it would also then potentially be hurting the underlying businesses of some of these tech companies. So they win on the Forex, but they actually lose on their underlying core businesses. So as much as these are global companies, what I've found very interesting in learning about them is how much of the business is still in the US. You know, we think these are companies that, yes, they make money all over the world, and they do. But the US economy is such a monster that a big percentage of their earnings actually comes from the US. So, you know, the weaker dollar might help give the share price some impetus. But what's interesting is if the US economy actually does really slip into trouble, it's going to hit advertising revenue, and that's the share of eyeballs economy. And then you have this potential impact on underlying earnings. So what makes these businesses just so fascinating is how many different things affect them, right? That's what makes investing and trading fun. Oh, 100%, right? I mean, it's why in our deep dives in Magic Markets Premium, and again, for those of you that are not subscribers, please consider doing this at 99 Rand a month. We really think it's probably the best value for money out there in terms of bringing an institutional level insight in terms of the stocks we cover to every single investor. So that's that's the plug. But what I'm trying to say here is when we scratched beneath the surface, we actually look at what are those geographical exposures like? You know, how much of the earnings come through from the US versus other geographies? And in some stocks, it's a lot more relevant. In others, it's not. But it's also with regards to the fact that, remember, a lot of the growth in these companies arguably comes from outside of the United States. So to your point, going back to the FX point coast, yes, if we actually see the dollar starting to come off, we see the dollar weakening a little bit, that does imply that rates have maybe gone too far, the Fed might pivot, we might start to see that come off. It means there might be some distress in the US economy, but bear in mind that as the dollar gets weaker, that actually supercharges the potential for growth from emerging markets. So there are all of these delicate interplays and for example, on some of these stocks that we've covered, and I'm not going to go into the full detail here again because it just wouldn't be fair to our subscribers, but on some of the stocks that we've actually covered, the irony is that even sometimes on the growth drivers, that comes from the United States. And sometimes that can happen because remember, the United States is the market with probably the largest disposable income. So there's a lot to unpack there. It's why we try and blend this macro story that we're talking about. Yes, the rates are moving. Yes, the dollar's moving. And we try and blend that with the bottoms up, with the fundamental analysis that we do on a lot of these stocks to say, what are your sensitivities? Which markets are sensitive to growth? Which markets give you some resilience in terms of earnings? Because over the last cycle, ironically, the companies that had the big US exposure actually did a little bit better because their revenues were in dollars and the US economy hadn't come under the same kind of pressure that you'd seen in emerging markets. So that delicate interplay is what makes it so important to look at this on a relative basis sometimes and then to also use what we're giving you in Magic Markets Premium to frame your thinking. It, if we're covering a stock, it doesn't necessarily mean we think that we should buy or sell that stock at a particular point in time. We're unpacking it. We're providing those foundational building blocks for ourselves, for our listeners and subscribers. And in framing that thinking, that allows you to look at this as markets bounce around and change. What are those sensitivities and what makes sense for you in your portfolio? And my one maybe last point from me, something I found interesting is the average revenue per user, the ARPU, that's a very important metric for a lot of these businesses, especially Netflix, particularly in the context of this, this global story. But inevitably, it is much higher for a U.S consumer than it is internationally because they can just charge more right the u.s is on average a rich country versus much of the rest of the world so netflix can achieve a much better revenue per user out of the u.s than internationally and with a lot of the global expansion requiring in-country investments and that's hitting amazon that's hitting netflix it's very expensive to grow internationally so these businesses have done a fabulous job of dominating their home markets but what people forget is as much as they have strong international businesses, you know, I have Netflix and I have Disney Plus, 
But DSTV is doing just fine, thanks, in South Africa and in Africa. MultiChoice recently released results that showed more subscriber growth. Mo, you might actually be quite surprised to learn that. So everyone assumes everyone's just, you know, killing all satellite TV and they're going full streaming. And I said to myself, how is MultiChoice still growing? Other than the sport. And the reason is regional content. So they are spending an absolute bucket load on regional content. And that is where it becomes very difficult for some of these internationals to compete because Netflix has to come and make South African shows, which it will show really in only South Africa. You know, occasionally you get this international blockbuster like Squid Game, which, you know, started out as a regional show and then for some reason just blows up internationally. But it's going to be the exception rather than the norm. So, you know, this is just an interesting point. And maybe the last one from my side is international growth is expensive and is not as attractive on a unit economics level as, you know, growing in the US. So this is something people need to keep in mind. And, you know, the overarching issue with some of these tech companies is the, the valuation multiples have just been too high. They've priced in enormous growth forever, basically. And if there's one thing the last year has taught us, it's that that is not always realistic. Yeah, I think that's such a valid point, right? Uh, these tech companies have certainly discovered the law of gravity. And again, nothing goes up or down in a straight line. And also, you know, we sometimes anchor to the high prices we had. So just because something is halved in value doesn't necessarily mean it needs to get back up to the peak that it had previously. So this is again why it's so important to look at the bottoms up, what's happening in the companies. I mean, for example, if you look at something like a meta, that's fundamentally changing the business it will be in the next 5, 10, 20 years. And that comes at a cost. So as an investor, you have to go and have a look and say, what am I really buying here? Is this still the business I think it was? You know, you can't assume that, you know, a, a stock price chart does this. Yes, we're going to have to go back to some kind of anchored level. That doesn't apply. I think a last point for me here, Ghost, is that this is really, you know, a, a subscription as a service business, if you want to call it, across the board. I say subscription as a service because that's the business model, right? Almost every single one of these businesses has a subscription somewhere in it. So if you look at, for example, we'll go down the list. So if, for example, you looked at the likes of a, a Microsoft, which is not on our list, but we'll start there. Microsoft has strong core subscription elements in its businesses. Microsoft 365 as a simple example there. If you look at Apple, Apple's got a subscription based in the business, whether that's you know Apple TV Plus, for example, or you subscribe to their, their cloud services. That's another example. If you look at Netflix, that's the quintessential subscription business. Google, you know, Google, if you're on YouTube, there's now YouTube Premium that allows you to skip those really annoying and terrible adverts. And so that's a subscription business as well. Uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime, you mentioned, and that subscription that also goes into e-commerce. And the interesting thing is that this goes beyond big tech. So if you look at, for example, the likes of a Costco, which is a retailer, or even Walmart, that subscription model has kind of morphed from big tech into the rest of the world, into the rest of the world economy. And this is the reason I want to actually end up on this point, right? Is that Magic Markets is a subscription-based business model. So again, guys, we hope you've enjoyed this show. Like I said, at 99 rand a month, and we also have an annual package at 990 rands per annum. And that effectively gives you two months free. We think this is actually the best investment you're going to make in terms of your education in the markets going along with us in terms of our research process, unpacking the thinking. So we hope this has kind of piqued your interest a little bit. If you're not a subscriber, go and check us out at magic-markets.com. Uh, and whether you just join us for a month, check us out, have a look. If you like it, you could always go annual. And if you're brave enough, if you've heard enough that entices you, pick the annual package. That's certainly the best value. We just want to shine a light in terms of our journey through the markets. We hope you've enjoyed this show. And, you know, Ghost, that's where I'm going to leave it here. 
Yeah, it's been fun covering all these tech companies. I'm looking forward to releasing Apple this week. I really am. And then we'll, we'll play it by ear. We'll see what we cover next heading into the uh, end of the year. But to our listeners, thank you very much. Give Magic Markets Premium a try. You certainly won't regret it. And we will, in any event, see you here next week for another Magic Markets episode. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.